Welcome to Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, James Minner, director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture. And joining me today is my colleague, Dr. Michael Langemeyer, who's the associate director of the center. We're going to review the results from the May Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of Farmers from Across the Nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspectives on the ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from the 12th through the 16th of June. The Ag Economy Barometer Index rose 17 points compared to last month. That was a big jump. So we went from 104 up to 121. That's 24 points higher than a year ago and I think 16 points below where it was two years ago. Two years ago, the index stood at 137. And of course, the all-time high for the index is up around 180. I don't remember exactly, but back in 2020, we got up above 175 for a couple of months. So big improvement compared to last month, still well below a couple of years ago, still well below the all-time highs. I expected to see the barometer maybe improve this month, but I did not really think we'd see a 17-point rise. What do you think? That was larger than I thought, too. I mean, obviously, they were taking a look at the strength in the futures prices from May to June. And I think it's also important to point out that the prospects for beef production look pretty good. And we have to remember that that is a fairly sizable proportion of the people responding to this survey. Yeah, that's a good point. On the livestock side, and we did see some improvement in people's perspective on livestock profitability in the upcoming five years versus crop profitability. And I think a lot of that had to be coming out of the beef side, certainly not out of the hog side. And, and as you point out, I think roughly 19% of the producers in our survey each month have a beef enterprise, and a big chunk of those are probably cow-calf operations as opposed to cattle feeders. And if you look at underneath the hood on that barometer index, a look at the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations, all of the improvement came out of people's improved perception about what the future is going to look like. The future expectation index was up 25 points compared to last month. That's 27 points higher compared to June of 2022. And the flip side, the current condition index was unchanged compared to last month. And it was still higher than last year. But the key point, I think, is that no change compared to last month. So all of the month-to-month improvement really came out of people's improved perception about what's going to happen in the future, which is kind of interesting. Very interesting and quite surprising, frankly. When you expect a a rather large increase in the index, it usually pulls up both the current conditions index and future expectations, but not this month. As you indicated, all the increases in the future expectations index, and it makes you wonder what they think the long-run crop price really is. Yeah, that's a good point. And of course, what we were Seeing some fluctuation in commodity prices as the survey was being conducted, commodity prices for the major commodities like corn and soybeans bottomed out in late May and then were improving as we went through June because of the perception that we were having a lot of trouble with respect to drought in a big chunk of the corn belt and even outside the corn belt. So that was giving us a rise in prices. The part that was maybe a little bit surprising to me was I think it's a little hard for a lot of people to get too optimistic when they look out the window and they see their crops withering. And that was really what was kind of going on. Crop conditions were deteriorating and that was leading to an improvement in prices, but kind of surprising. And, And interesting to look at the actual question we used with respect to future expectations or one of the questions. Do you think that a year from now, your farm operation will be better off financially, worse off, or about the same as now? And that's a question we ask every month because it's part of the base barometer index. And this month, there was a seven-point rise in the percentage expecting things to get better. So that went from 13% last month to 20% of the people in the survey here in, in the June survey. 
And on the flip side, 12-point decline in the percentage that expect things to get worse over the next year. So the bigger shift there was in the percentage of people expecting things to get worse, right? And that was, I don't know, it was, it was a little interesting to look at those results. It's a pretty big swing on a one-month basis. We have seen swings that big before, but still it was a little surprising that they happened this month. This is always surprising to me, but I always think in terms of accrual net farm income, and I don't think a lot of farmers do. If you look at accrual net farm income, the fact that we sold corn and soybeans in particular for really good prices in early 23, obviously it was the 22 crop, makes 23 net farm income appear like it's going to be stronger than 24. So it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what they were thinking when they were answering this question. Yeah, the optimism there is, well, we've got some other questions that you can you can kind of pick up the optimism, but it's a little hard to discern exactly what was driving the improvement in optimism about the future. No big surprise then that the Farm Financial Performance Index went up. It went to 86 versus 76. That's a 10-point improvement. The index was three points higher than a year ago, but still, I think, 10 points below where it was two years ago. A little surprising that the Farm Financial Performance Index was up 10 points, given that the current condition index didn't change at all. Yeah, these, those usually track much closer with one another than they did this month. Again, I think it's probably people doing exactly what you were talking about, Michael, thinking about net farm income on a taxable basis here for 2023 and looking relatively strong based on a lot of sales from the 22 crop. But why that didn't correlate a little higher with that current condition index is maybe a, a little bit of a surprise. Farm Capital Investment Index rose. I think it was a reading of 42 this month. That was five points higher than a month ago, and I think seven points higher than a year ago. Still leaves that index about 12 points below where it was two years ago. Over 70% of the producers in the survey think it's a bad time to make investments. When we ask those people, that particular group, why they think it's a bad time, they continue to point to two things, rising interest rates and the increase in prices for farm machinery and new construction. You combine those two, over 70% of the people who think it's a bad time, it says it's because of at least one of those two reasons. Probably no big surprise there. We just don't seem to get much movement in, in this. We've done some other work looking at maybe decomposing the barometer responses and kind of gets into this idea of, of who we're talking to and, and their position in the industry and whether or not they have an opportunity to perhaps expand or view it as, as difficult to expand. Do you kind of agree with that, Michael? It's difficult to disentangle exactly what's going on in people's mind when we come up with a farm investment index, and in particular that that question that's related to the farm capital investment index. But this one here has been kind of interesting to watch because it does appear, if you go back a year, that that increase in prices for farm machinery, it's a lower response rate today than it was a year ago. And so it makes me wonder what that particular response is going to be three, six months from now if we have tight margins. The other thing that's obvious is, is you look at this question, we started asking it in July of 22, a pretty big change with respect to people choosing rising interest rates as a concern here, right? First couple of times we asked this question, I think between 14 and 18% of the people in the survey said that rising interest rates were a concern with respect to making investments. Uh, this month it was 35% chose that. Last month it was 32. The month before that it was 33. So there's been a pretty big change just since last summer. So interest rates are getting people's attention, and they do think it is maybe a negative with respect to making investments. So I guess that's that's consistent with asset theory, right, Michael? Yeah. Uh, sometimes we wonder about that, but that's that's pretty consistent. We've been asking now here for, I think, what, five months in a row what people expect to see happen with respect to the U.S. prime interest rate. And, of course, 
So many ag loans are tied to prime interest rates. And that gives people a pretty good baseline with respect to thinking about this question. And there's been a change over time. I think this month, over 40% of the producers say that they're looking for either a decline or no change in interest rates over the course of the next year. On the flip side, you know, we've got, what, 28% of the people in the, in the survey say they think rates will be 1% to 2% higher a year from now. 29% said 0 to 1% higher. The part that surprises me is that 40% who think either no change or a decline, they've got a little different perspective on interest rates maybe than, than I do and maybe you do as well. But Yeah, there's almost one quarter of the people think that it, interest rates are going to be 0 to 1% lower or even 1% to 2% lower. If you combine those two categories, that response really surprises me because I see very little indication, at least for the next year, that interest rates are going to go down. Yeah, they're either a lot more optimistic about what's taking place with respect to inflation, or they think the Fed is going to get concerned about maybe a downturn in the economy and, and start to loosen rates a little bit. It's obviously there's a lot of mixed messages out there, and, and people are interpreting the messages differently. Short-term farmland value expectation index rose sharply this month. It was 110 a month ago. This month, it was 126, a 16-point improvement. That leaves the index 10 points lower than last month. But, you know, when you look at it on the chart, that's a jump, right, from 110 to 126. And admittedly, people became more optimistic about the future, as that future expectation index indicated. But still, that was a pretty big jump for, for a one-month swing. And again, if you look at the responses to the question we use for that index, which is asking people about their farmland price expectations 12 months ahead, you can see the shift. In May, 29% of the people in the survey said that they expected to see higher farmland prices in the next 12 months. This month, it was 38%. Last month, 19% said they expected to see lower farmland values in the next 12 months. That dipped to 12% this month. And I guess the swing there just really surprised me. I'm not shocked that it, given what we saw in the current condition index that we saw an improvement, but the big swing is kind of surprising. This is a large change, you know, given no change in the current conditions index. And, you know, as, we, as we've been saying, this, this is a bit of a surprise. And, and, and moreover, this index, index is the strongest it's been all this year. I think the December index was similar to this month's index, but, but this is the strongest it's been all year. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. If we go back and, yeah, look early in the year, you're right. So it kind of undoes the downturn that we were looking at here over the course of late winter and spring months. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the July survey because commodity prices, corn and soybean prices in particular, were relatively strong when we were doing this June survey. They've weakened sharply as we record this. And so it'll uh, be interesting to see what happens to commodity prices for the week that we collect data in July and what influence that has on people's perspectives. Equally surprising to me was the improvement in the long-term farmland value index. That rose six points to 151, up from 145 last month. And the interesting thing about that to me is that leaves that index higher than it was this time last year. This time last year, it stood at 141. So we're 10 points higher than a year ago. And, you know, the all-time high in that index is right around 160 or 161. So we're not too far below the all-time high. Again, pretty big change, especially these last two months, because last month was up as well. So the long-term index now is up two months in a row. A fairly big swing in that long-term index based on maybe not a whole lot of new information, right? That's, that's what I think. 
This was the first month that we asked people about their expectations for cash runner rates in 2024. So this question only went to corn and soybean producers. So we're looking at essentially kind of a corn belt cash runner rate perspective. One out of four, 25% of the people in the survey, of corn and soybean producers in the survey, expect an increase in cash runner rates in 2024. 68% said about the same, but 25%, one out of four, think rates are going higher. Again, we surveyed during a time frame when commodity prices were strengthening as opposed to weakening. Coming in, I thought we'd see, well, we always get a distribution, so I knew some people were going to choose higher. I didn't expect it to be that much different than the percentage choosing lower for completeness. 7% in this survey said they thought cash flow rates were headed lower in 2024. I thought there'd be a little more balance between the percentage choosing higher and the percentage choosing lower than, than what we wound up with. I did too. And this is a question that we're going to repeat here, at least for one more month, perhaps for two more months. Uh, and we'll see if those don't balance each other out. But even if you look at the, the largest response by far was about the same. That would be a big change from what we saw in 21 and 22, where we saw some relatively high increases. And so that's another way to think about this question. But the 25% surprises me as if they expect rents to be higher, because if you think about a budget and, and the cost that you can possibly the decrease is negotiating cash rents would be ranked way up there as a cost that you perhaps can try to reduce in the next year. That doesn't bear out in this chart. Yeah, this is an interesting topic, I guess. You've done a lot of research on this over the years, looking at what drives change in cash runner rates. And, you know, you might kind of update us on that, Michael, but it, you basically have concluded there's a lag, right? Yes, there's a lag. First of all, they're very sticky. They don't tend to move near as much as net returns. And so that's a very important point. But typically there's a year lag. And so if margins are tight in 23, you'd expect that to enter into the negotiations for 24. And that's why I'm saying that that 25% that think that cash rent's going to be higher, they're, they're thinking that net returns are going to be a little bit different than what we're thinking. And perhaps we're thinking that net returns aren't going to be that bad in 23. Yeah, it gets back to what you said at the outset, which is do per producers look at it on an accrual basis or are they looking at more at taxable yeah. income? And then I suppose maybe liquidity goes in there. We're coming into, we have a lot of liquidity there. And if you don't want to lose, you know, you can lose ground if you're trying to negotiate too hard for reduction in cash rent. So this is complicated, you know, this negotiation process related to cash rent. Yeah, I think liquidity is a good point. I, I think people that are in a strong financial position are probably a lot more concerned about losing farmland. We've talked about this a lot over the years. The idea is that if you lose farmland today, you're not likely to get it back in the future. And so sometimes it takes two years in a row of relatively low margins coming up a couple good years to really see a decline in that cash rent. Yeah, so it is going to be interesting to see us repeat this question, I think, the next couple of months, because we know a lot of those cash rental rate negotiations will be taking place here over the course of the summer and maybe spilling over into the early fall period. These results suggest there's going to be pressure to not reduce rates, right? Yeah. Definitely. I, I think we could be pretty comfortable on that one. A new question this month was we asked people several things about the farm bill, but the one that was new this month was, what do you think the likelihood is of Congress overturning California's Proposition 12 as part of a new farm bill? And of course, Proposition 12 uh, was the proposition that California passed that mandates the housing requirements for hogs that are going to be sold as pork in California. Producers were split on whether or not Congress was likely to overturn Proposition 12 in a, in a new farm bill. 
36% thought it at least somewhat unlikely. 25% thought it was at least somewhat likely. You could probably argue that maybe people were flipping a coin on this a little bit, but, you know, on the extreme side, very likely was 8% and very unlikely was 17%. It, it kind of suggests, though, that there is going to be some pressure from producers, certainly some interest on the half uh, part of producers, to see Congress take some action on Proposition 12. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. I personally think that 25% that said very likely or somewhat likely are a little bit overly optimistic with the chance of this happening, but, but who knows? Yeah, and of course, this happened after we did the survey. California's backed off a little bit with respect to the timing. They've pushed back with respect to essentially give retailers and wholesalers an opportunity to clean out inventories. So they've pushed back, I think, enforcement to the end of this year, but still a serious concern for, on behalf of the, the pork industry. So it'll be interesting to see. We'll probably repeat this maybe, particularly if this discussion looks like it's got some legs. We'll repeat this question in the future and see how that pans out. So that wraps up the highlights for this month's Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. You can get the full report at our website, purdue.edu slash agbarometer. And I want to highlight the fact that we've got the Purdue Farm Management Tour coming up on July 11th. So if you're anywhere close to Indiana on July 11th, we'd encourage you to tap into the Purdue Farm Management Tour. It'll be in southern Indiana this year in Washington and Jackson counties, south of Indianapolis. Uh, so check that out. More details for that are available on our website, purdue.edu slash commercial ag. On behalf of my colleague, Michael Langemeyer, and the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Minter. Thanks for joining us.